You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, an interview series with the world's most inspiring women in business. These are honest business conversations over a glass of wine to help you shortcut your success in business. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, three times founder, huge wine enthusiast, and always willing to share all of the gory business details to help you grow your business, no matter what that looks like to you. If you want more spark in your business, check out our membership spark 365 for daily business growth tips at sparkfoundersprogram.com. And a huge shout out to spark TV sponsor IP Australia for their amazing support of the spark podcast and women in business. Amazing. Let's do it, Sherry. Welcome to Spark TV. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. How are you? I'm so good. We were just saying uh, strong coffees and teas all around today. So just fueling us today instead of wine, which is necessary (laughs) after the day, after your day and my start to the day. Uh, But so good. I'm so excited to hear and share your story with the Spark community. So let's just get straight in and start there. Let's tell everyone who you are and what you do. Oh, great question. Uh, Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) How long do we have? (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I, I, uh, I'm a student of the music industry. I don't, I wouldn't call myself an expert. I think being an expert in something that's rapidly changing at all times and uh, that's ever evolving. Um, I would never, you know, I'm a student of the music industry. I've been in it for about 16 years. I started out as management uh, when I really didn't know what I was doing and I figured it out and then I knew what I was doing and uh, did that for about eight years. I loved it. I loved uh, touring. I loved taking care of artists. Um, And then I realized that I wanted to do something really groundbreaking. I wanted to disrupt the industry in a way that uh, we could create solutions for, for people in different silos of the music industry that desperately needed it. The first thing that I, uh, the first silo that I wanted to go after was ticketing. I wanted to create an, uh, basically an, like a ticketing platform where it was made for an artist. It was commission free. It gave me all the tools I would have needed as a manager. And so I created it myself. And this is also when I was like, uh, I mean, I grew up on welfare. Like I've never had money. I literally scraped together all the cash I had just so I could create prototypes. I went and found investors um, Benji and Joel Madden partnered with me on this venture. Uh, fast forward during the pandemic, all of our tickets went off sale because obviously we were mm. a ticket company. So mm. within uh, one call, we decided to pivot to live streaming. And the year that was supposed to kill us, we grossed 10 million. Wow. We landed 4,000 clients and we sold at a 30 million valuation. Holy shit. <laughs> So if anyone ever tells you, oh, that sounds like it's harder, I don't know, or like, hey, only 2% of startups succeed, fine, be the 2%. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to stop there. That was one silo that I was like, check. And then I thought to myself, and I was just like, you know what? I feel like all the solutions that are created, um, my own first company as a great example, it's an ancillary income that we that we are creating for artists because why? Because we've just learned to accept that artists just make money from touring and they don't really see money from their own masters. And I just went, huh. And, um, you know, I was in management for a while. I did a ton of like contracts. I've worked with all the different uh, majors, all the different indies. And I just said to myself, the the core of the model just needs a rapid shift, not a slight Mm -hmm. shift, not definitely not a copy and paste, but a massive makeover. And the same way that you wouldn't call Uber a better taxi, 
We're not a better label. We're a VC for artists. That is what Versewire is. This is why literally all of our merch says we're not a label. <laughs> we're our own category because we're doing things so differently. And we've introduced a new business model, which I'm honored to say works. We first raised a little bit um, to go ahead and first prove our case study. Our case study was beauty school dropout. Um, they, uh, we use this new model where we basically invest in artists, we take equity, and then we bring in our label services team to run their label service as part of their business. And then our A&Rs are what, like, what do you know, like multi-platinum gold artists such as Mark Hobbes and Pete Wentz. So when I say, hey, let's change this song here versus when Mark says, let's change it, they're going to listen to the man that does <laughs> I would too. You know, so it's uh, we brought the best of the best and Mark and Pete uh, really ain't the project really well. And we surprised ourselves. We went from <clears throat> a total of four million streams for the band to 60 million now. Wow. We found them in a corner of a thrift store playing to 100 people. The same year they opened for Blink in Madison Square Garden and oh were on God. full tour with them. So that led us to a total of $12.3 million raised a partnership with Cobalt and uh, a vision that works. That is incredible. <laughs> oh my God. And so much to actually unpack. So I know it's, I literally just put 16 years into like, two minutes. No, but I, I, I love it because, uh, well, a few reasons why I love it. I love it because you weren't a tech person coming into a tech-based industry and deciding that there was a problem, that things needed to change and why not have a crack at it, which I absolutely yeah. adore. And I love that, you know, one business exit wasn't enough. Let's do it. Let's do it again. So let's go all the way why back. To, well, hell yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, it, you know, it can be done now, which is so cool. There you go. When I tell people I have an idea, they listen to me now. They're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, and so let's skip forward. Do you find that now that you've actually been on paper as success, that things are a little bit easier the second time around? Yes, I will say that. I think some things are easier and some things are harder. I think it's easier to get people like if you're like, hey, let's let's hop on a call. Um, I want to talk about your client or I want it. They they will take your call. What mm. I think is harder is their expectations are very, very high in terms of, for example, spend or resources, which isn't a bad thing. But it's also just like, uh, OK, like if there's a, there's a lot of negotiation there. But I'll still say I mean, I'll say this until the cows come home, like being a woman in the music industry might be, uh, it gets easier as you get older, but it's still hard. And then never mind my first company. I went for the two most male dominated industries. Yeah. Music. I was like, and tech. And hello. Like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, I, we started beefs when I was like, uh, we started like, you know, the prototypes and everything when I was 24 girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I always looked younger than I actually was. So they're like, Oh, she's 18. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> you're like I know what I'm doing it's fine I know I, I mean know. that is I mean that's super interesting though young music industry tech industry I mean what were what are the challenges hit me with a couple of them uh people don't um just by default assume you don't know what you're doing people by default mm -hmm. um assume that there's men that came up with your idea not you oh the like literally the most ridiculous things people um assume that you don't have the uh ability to lead a team because you're either going to be too nice or 
bitchy because like what you know the one thing that i'll always say about a about a woman is there's no sweet spot we're not just oh she's she's a she's a leader she's either bitchy or too nice she's either overreacting or it lets everyone walk all over her she's either like a boss no she's not a boss she's never a boss she's either you might be a boss uh, bitch <laughs> yeah she's either a boss bitch yeah or um you know like it's just there's no sweet spot and we don't say mm. these things like we don't and so I you know I I realized a long time ago was like I'm never gonna be in a position where like I just get normal feedback like oh okay that was cool that was cool yeah it's just like it's just you're either too much or not enough yeah. and and how did you deal with that I'm I mean obviously obviously you just went fuck off I'm doing it anyway <laughs> I did oh, no I, I mean how did you manage it I, I'd be lying if I said that I still don't deal with it. I mean, look, do I deal with it as much? Not nearly as much, probably like 10% compared to like how much it really used to get to me. Mm. But truly, like, I just kind of took the dispute as like, all right, I'm just going to prove you wrong. But I also like, I don't let things like, like if someone's blatantly being disrespectful or um, just, you know, using their, you know, just being painfully chauvinistic and stuff, I'll just call it out, but I'll do it quickly mm. and then I'll move on. Yeah. So, um, so for example, like, uh, you know, if, if someone's just being very, uh, sexist or rude, I'll just be like, that's a very rude comment you made. And, the, and they, they, they're not used to being caught, like called yeah. like, out like that, because usually they're like, like, you can't have emotion behind it, which is ridiculous because I'm a human being and you're like, you know, you're the one that's, for example, saying something that's inappropriate or whatever, but you have to do it in like a completely blunt, like, that, okay, that was a very rude comment. I'd appreciate you not say that again. Okay, so moving on, like you have to call it out. But yeah. what I've realized is the second you show any type of reaction, because we're not, women aren't allowed to react, mm -hmm. then uh, you're being emotional. Yeah. Then, or, you know, it's just unstable. And it's like, it's so interesting, the labels we get that the men don't. If, if like, if a man reacts to disrespect, you're like, yeah, like get him. Like, you yeah, know, exactly. And it's so interesting, but I always, I'm like, don't let things slide, but don't, don't like, don't get derail the situation. Totally, yeah. Totally. Ring it. And like, trust me, like, I'd be lying if I said it still doesn't bother me sometimes, but I, I call it out calmly, swiftly, mm -hmm. and I move on. And you'd be surprised it actually doesn't happen again because there's a, there's a strength to that. There's a power to that. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> yes it drives me wild I my first business was a tech business and it was interesting so the first networking event I ever went to I was thinking oh my gosh this is so exciting of course it was a room full of men I think there was three girls three women there and I just remembered so this guy was drinking a beer and of course you know when he was talking he was like spitting and he was like, I don't know how you ever think this is going to happen. Like you're young, you're blonde. This is the tech industry. And I'm like, I walked out of there so determined. I was like, are oh. you kidding me? I was. No, but you know what it is? That's ridiculous. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that. But I also in a weird way, take it as like a, okay, you're threatened by me. Interesting. Oh. Because the way I look at it is I don't think a secure person would ever feel the need to put down a young woman. Yeah. And the people that have put me down routinely in the past and, you know, some whatever, uh, I don't give a shit because I'm like, how insecure do you have to feel about yourself to put down a young woman and go back on your high? Like, OK, OK, if that makes you feel better, carry on. Now yeah. watch. 
Now yeah. watch what I'm I love like, that. You, you gotta let it roll off or else you will lose your mind. You have to. Oh. And it's again, Absolutely. it's it's the joy and curse of being a female. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And it's, it's funny the way I've, I've probably taken a similar, similar tack to you in the sense of um, using it to fuel my determination and fuel my fire. Um, But yeah, I I love that idea of actually saying, "Mm, okay, so I'm being underestimated a little bit here. Maybe I've got an opportunity to actually shine because you're all underestimating what I'm about to do. Totally, totally. And just, just watch. I mean, give, give, they want to talk about you, give them something to talk about. I love that so much. So going from welfare to starting a tech business, that's a huge leap. (laughs) So you talked about being in management. How did Mm -hmm. you get there? How did you go from welfare to managing artists to then tech platform? Like what was that process like for you? Did you just wake up one morning and say, that's it, I'm starting a business? Did you educate yourself? Like, what was that initial ideation phase like for you? Of course. Um, I always say that you should turn, um, you know, I've, you know, welfare is not easy. That's what I grew up in as a child. I was moved around 20 different times to four different countries, a lot of instability. Mm. And um, no, I mean, I think everyone's upbringings are different, but no one kind of like has an unscathed one. Mm. And we're all, we all, we're all just healing from whatever we've gone through. Yeah. And I think the the best thing that I ever heard was turn your pain into, into purpose. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to turn it into purpose and art. So funny enough, when I was like, you know, um, like trouble childhood, whatever, but uh, I loved shows and I wasn't allowed to go because my parents just thought that's where people did drugs and, you know, all that. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You, they watch they watch too much TV. So what I would do is I would, for example, say I was going to quote unquote Stacy's house and then I would lie and go to the show, but I had to go early because I, my alibi had to make sense. And by the way, my parents know that I lied after the fact, like <laughs> years later, years later, I was like, by the way. And uh, so I'd get to the shows and these were my friend shows. These were local shows. And I, I would just show up and I'm like, Hey, can I help? Can I set up merch? Can I, cause I was, I was there mm. and they'd be like, sure because I was so helpful for you times are like, Hey, we don't have a manager. Do you want to manage us? And I was like 16. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but wow. I was like, sure. And I just, I literally studied and Googled and every mentor I could get a hold of, I would call and just be like, Hey, can I just sit with you and just understand what it is to do to be a manager? And I learned very quickly. And um, then I started managing more bands. Then I started going on tour. Then I started, then I was on warp tour for eight years. And uh, then I really was very good at what I did. And then management companies picked me up. And my, I, I really loved it. But my transition from management to starting my company is I wanted to do something incredible in this world. And I wanted to leave this industry better than I found it. Mm. And with managing artists, I could only service like seven at a time. I wanted to, ha- I wanted to change the game. I wanted to help thousands at a time. And I knew I couldn't do that with management. I just, you just can't, there's not enough hours in the day. And I said to myself, I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to be in entertainment. I kind of just fell into music uh, because of my <laughs> of my bait and switch lies. Whoops. Um, <laughs> it worked. Whatever. Worked out. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I you know, I was just like, OK. And I really sat literally on my bedroom floor in my uh, shitty apartment. And I was like, all right, what what can I do? What are some solutions I can think of for this industry? And I've always been really good with ideas. It's literally my last name backwards. Not even kidding. If you look at it, that's what it is. Oh um, my God. I just realized that now it's, I'm looking at your name on the screen. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. And I just, and I thought of 
beeps very quickly. I'm like, huh. And then I started kind of like mapping it out and doing some research. And I was like, I closed my laptop. And I, at that time I was living in DC. I didn't, I've never had much money uh, before, before this whole, uh, you know, company, but I was like, I went out, I went into California, met with all my friends and potential investors. And I flew back and forth four times. And by the time I met my, you know, my investors and partners, I had $80 in my bank account. I was beyond broke. I didn't have enough money to send myself home. Even after that, I had to call my friend to have her Venmo me just a hundred bucks so I can get a one-way uh, flight back home. And uh, when I moved to LA to start this whole venture, I just had enough money for a mattress and I stacked up boxes as, um, as a nightstand. I was 24 <laughs> and I was just like, okay, this is going to be a really good story one day. Yes here we are. Oh my God. I love that. I love it. Okay. So many levels there because I think working, so going back to being at the shows and helping people out, like you were there a bit early because you were yeah. lying to your parents, all good. <laughs> but it's <laughs> like, I feel like today people don't want to work for free. You know, there's this funny thing. So back in my day, because <laughs> I'm an old person, you know, I did internships, right? And nowadays you can't do free internships. Like you've got to pay people and it's all regulated and what have you. But I was like, I just wanted to get out there and learn as much as I could and get in front of the people that nobody else could get in front of. And I mean, I just think there's, you know, something powerful about being helpful, which is exactly there's what you did. You're absolutely right. But you know what the most powerful thing uh, through like that entire journey of mine, it just thus far is take your ego out of it. Yeah. You are, I, I still consider myself a student of the music industry. I don't care. Like all these titles and uh, whatever, man, just, just mm -hmm. show up and just be, just be grateful and eager to learn because mm -hmm. had, I not, had I not done that, I wouldn't have the skill sets that I, you know, have been able to have been able to get throughout the course of my career. Just, learn and and also like figure it out like that's also one of those things where i think um in general like it's it, of course it's easier for someone to sit you down and like you know tell you this and that but also like google is the best thing ever like you <laughs> literally research yeah. and learn on your own and and uh uh just just be eager and also like don't don't let statistics and don't let people's words of like, it's, it's, it's always jealousy statistics. Okay. Whatever. Like I said, 2% of startups succeed. Be, be confident enough that you're going to be the 2% and really believe that. And I don't know if it's delusion, but it helps me like, look, like I literally, I knew I my, with no, like no, no contacts, no money. Like I just knew when I started my job, like mm. my journey when I was 16, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to do something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something. And, uh, if you don't believe in you, no one's going to believe in you. It has to start with you. Like you emulate that. And, um, you know, like it's just be hungry and put your yeah. ego down. Just be like, I, okay, teach me. No, I don't know. So please teach me or look, look it up or research Look on TikTok. I mean, any, like it's, there's, there's so much information out there for you to get what you need and succeed at what you're trying to get. Mm. Uh, and, um, it's a shame to never, be able to reach the full potential of who you are just because you're afraid of failing. There's no oh. such thing as keep going, you know, yes. that's it. I love that. There's a good one. That's the only time you fail is when you actually stop. So just don't oh, stop. Mm. Do you know how many times I <laughs> have bankrupted myself? And if I stopped, I never would have been able to change the lives of so many of our clients. Mm. I am honored that I get to say that, but it's because I didn't give up. It wasn't, 
the, the entrepreneur journey is the most roller coaster ride of your life. Yeah. And you just feel like you're on top of the world. And the next second, you'll just be like, what am I doing with my life? And you're uh, haggling over $2 for like a smoothie because you're, you, you know, you're paying your That's team <laughs> yeah. money for yourself. Like you will question yourself so much, but just keep going because the universe will fall in love with a stubborn heart. Just keep going one foot in front of the other. That's so good. It reminds me. So you talked about your capital raising process. So flying back and forth from DC you know, having pennies to your name. I um, I remember when I started my capital raising journey, I, I didn't even know somebody that could lend me $100, let alone invest $100,000. I was like, oh my God. So I love your point about just go find it, figure it out, research it, Google it. That's literally what I did. I was like, who invests in Australia? crazy. Oh my God. Look it up. Ask, like take a million meetings and people, even with my, I'm not even exaggerating with you. Even with my second company, I had an amazing win. I had a case study of like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. Was it easy to raise money the second time? Yes. Did I still take 200 investment meetings to land seven? Yes. And you're going to have moments where you're screaming in your car and you're tired. Just do it. Just, it will work out. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where people don't owe you your money, owe you their money. And mm-hmm. it's investing is a, re- is a really big deal. I literally would be like, I would sit with people. I'm like, who do you think I should, who do you think I should just talk to? And they're like, these five people, I set up five meetings. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. But it's also like, this wasn't like, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. And if you wanted to be incredible, swing for the fences. I love that too. I love that you said you took 200 meetings because I feel like people, especially when it comes to investment, they're like, okay, who are like the top two people that would invest in my company that are in the right niche that are, and I'm like, oh, that's not how it works. Oh, no, 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 no. You said everyone speak to everyone and their mother. Mm. Uh, Sometimes your investment might completely come out of left field because you took a random meeting that you didn't even know where it would go. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. And this is my second time, by the way. The first time was significantly harder yeah. because you know I had been in the industry for about eight years at that point, and I knew a lot of people. But who's to say I know how to run a company? You know what I mean? And I did. I do. <laughs> you knew. You knew that you knew how to run a company. I knew. I knew, and I and I needed, and I believed in me, and people believed in it. And the thing about raising money is, like, you don't raise like. Uh, well, the first times, right? You don't, mm. you're not looking for that million dollar paycheck. You're looking for a hundred thousand dollars tops to get you going. Yeah. Prove your concept, then raise more, prove it again, raise, raise, raise. And you have to, that yeah. if, if it's your first go around, you have to do it that way. Then when it's your second and third and fourth, it'll be, it'll, it'll work a lot faster. You get to ask for larger sums. Um, if it makes sense, if your business needs it, but if you're if you take three investment meetings and then three and all three say no and you get discouraged, keep going yeah. because I took hundred for my second company. Yeah, I I love that because and I love actually that you talked about the staged investments as well because I do feel like when it is your first time, you've got to prove to people that you will do what you say you're going to do. That was the biggest thing I found. It's like every time I'd come back and say, hey, you know how you gave me that money and I said I was going to do X, Y, Z? Well, I did that and this is what's next. And that, I think, that was the power. Totally. And it's just one of those things where I really do think that like, I think 
everyone has a lot of great ideas, but it all comes down to execution. Because one of the mm. things that people would say to me with, with my first company, Beeps, and even with First Wire, where they're like, well, aren't you scared someone's going to take your idea and do it themselves? I'm like, <laughs> go for it. I'm like, you don't have me. Yeah. Like, you think, you think Beeps didn't take 7 million pivots? And do you think, like, anyone else could have pivoted in the middle of a pandemic to a live stream company? I'd never done a live stream before. Mm. And then and then scale and then handle 4,000 artists and $10 million of gross rep. Or like even even this even my existing company Versefire like yeah how many times we've like adjusted and like you know made sure we had the most amazing resources and team it's I would love for there to be more Versefires because it just proves that the model works and it just proves that there's a, there's a real need out there but I'm not afraid of competition take my idea you you don't have my team period yeah that's it and I don't think people understand how hard execution is. You know, A, you don't have me, B, you don't have the team, you don't have the persistence to just keep going when it is tough. I know. I I know. And like you're gonna have your days, but just remember mm-hmm. they're they're just their thoughts, their moments, let them pass and show up the next day because it's like it's like I think a lot of people just want, for example, like the final product. Let's just say it's a it's a house. That's your final product. And you're looking at the house and you're like, man, like that's what I want. It's like cool. Well, why don't you just lay down a brick every single day? Just lay down a brick. And you might get frustrated. You might just be like, this brick uh, is like uh, meaningless. It's just a brick. Well, if you keep laying down a brick every single day, you're going to turn around and like, you then you'll have your house. Yeah. But there's no shortcut because easy come, easy go. You want something fast? Fine. You got a paper house. Yeah. Like, period. Don't, it doesn't work that way. And I tell people like, you know, I hadn't, I had really great success in my management days, but it was still like a lot of grinding. And like, you know, it took for like my first win when we like real win, when I sold, uh, beeps, it took 13 years for my life to change in a day. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So talk to me about selling a business. How did that come about? It was really cool. It's, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that's like, that's your moment. That's like, yeah. Sold half, so I'm still an owner, and I'm very happy to say that. But that was like our fourth offer for acquisition, and um, it was one of those things where, like, I didn't want to sacrifice the integrity of my company. I wanted to make sure all my entire team, uh, they had job security, and this was the best move for my team, all the clients that trusted us, and the future of the company. And uh, it it aligned. I mean, it, it was a... <laughs> these things take a minute, yeah. um, but. Um, <laughs> I would just say that, you know, when there's, when you're nearing to the point, like this wasn't an exit, it was more of a JV because we're still like me and my uh, partners are still owners, Mm -hmm. but it's like, just don't lose the integrity of why you did what you did. And if someone wants to come in, like sometimes people come in to buy you just to get rid of you. That is a hundred percent a fact. Some people come in, buy you and then want to change everything that you work so hard to build. What's the point? Yeah. And I will say, hold off for the right deal. Um, Make sure that you just, you know, just. I go to sleep so soundly at night because I like have made sure that my team, my clients have always been taken care of. And if you lead with that, things will work out better than you could have ever imagined. Because had we, for example, taken some other deals, that wouldn't have been the case. And we waited for the right one. And uh, it was a, it was a huge moment. I bought myself sushi that night. I remember I <laughs> Wow, you really went all out. No, I splurged. I know I splurged. It 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 was weird. It was weird because it was 13 years that I've like, you know, been work at that point I'd been working so hard 
And then literally my life changed in a day and I was like, oh, uh, cool. Let's do it all over again. And then I'm like, God damn it, Sherry. <laughs> was there any kind of rest in between? Um, uh, I don't, I, I like working. I enjoy it. I did go to, I did go to Europe for like a month, but I was working all throughout that. I was like already brainstorming, um, the, the business model for verse wire and stuff. I, I did, I did, I did, a I did a little Euro trip, but, um, I, I honestly was just so excited to come back and just do it all over again because it is exciting. It's a lot of work, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's fun to do the impossible, you know? And that's actually a tattoo that I have on my arm. It's actually a Walt Disney quote. His exact quote, it's it's kind of fun to do the impossible because it is. It's when people question you, doubt you, um, when you're the 2%, like that feels great. And I think that's that statistic would go up higher if people really took the chances they've always wanted to take and just believe in themselves because it's not about how much money you have. It's not about how much how famous you are. I didn't have anything. And uh I just, I, I believed <laughs> that's it. I love it so much. Now I feel like I could talk to you all day, but let's leave the spark community with one last thought. So I always like to ask our guests, if you could reflect on one piece of advice that has served you well over your time in business that you would pass on to another woman in her journey, what would it be? Ooh, one. <laughs> I know. How long do we have? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, God, I really have to think about that because I, I want to make sure I leave it with a, with, with a, all in, like one that kind of ties it all together. Let me think. Um, you can do multiple if you like as well. Honestly, I would say, I mean, as, as cheesy as it sounds, no matter what, don't give up mm. because anyone that questions you is clearly threatened by you. And what I would also say is um, don't wait for anyone to, in any sense, whether it's a man or even another woman or anyone, don't wait for anyone to save you. Don't wait for anyone to come in and swoop you, like uh, be, be the hero, be your own goddamn hero. One foot in front of the other every single day, you can do it. And I, if if I could just literally tell this to every woman, for the rest of my life ever. I would, uh, I would. <laughs> and that's it. You are amazing. Thank you so much, Sherry, for sharing your journey and your wisdom with the Spark community. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. So much fun. Thank you. That wraps another episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. I hope there was something in there that you needed today to help you on your business journey. We would absolutely love it if you subscribed and leave a review. This helps the Spark podcast find its way to other amazing women in business. If you want to hang out with us even more, join Spark 365 and you'll have me show up in your inbox every damn day with a business growth tip. Check it out at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Shout out to Spark TV sponsor IP Australia for their amazing support of the Spark podcast and women in business. And if no one tells you today, you've got this.